So Anna, O'Shea, we're fresh into a new term and naturally I've been thinking about what else we can do to support teachers. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you know, there's really so much we can dig into just massive topics. <laughs> Pretty overwhelming, huh? Uh, so much so I was hoping we could take a step back and breathe a bit today, infuse a bit of lightness, if you will. I've been thinking about the things I wish I knew before I started teaching, before I got in too deep. Nice. What do you wish people told you about being a teacher? Fun topic. Hello, and welcome to the Teacher Think Aloud podcast, a podcast for reflective practice for teachers of English around the world. I'm your co-host, Shay. And I'm Anna. And today we're pausing the research and traveling back in time and space. Leafing through the cobwebbed pages of our personal teaching journals. To hopefully share with you some of the nuggets of golden advice that we wish we had when we started. And if you've started already, not to worry. Hopefully, some of these juicy tidbits will serve as reminders that it's never too late to shift your mindset, your tactics, your whatever, to be more successful and feel more successful in your teaching. So, Shay, what's your first tip? I know you've been itching to get this conversation started. (laughs) I have been, and I've thought about this long and hard, but it's still going to feel a bit cryptic, a little counterintuitive. The first thing I tell new teachers whenever I have the chance is that what we say matters, but not that much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does feel a little nihilistic. Yeah, but I feel you. Like, if you mess up, don't be so hard on yourself. You can start again, you can teach it again the next day if you need to. So, as I was prepping for this conversation, I worried that it would come off a little too severe. It's not that what you do doesn't matter, right? Listeners, don't get mad at me. It's just that the little slip-ups don't matter as much as you think they do in the grand scheme of things. We're not surgeons. What we do is slightly less high stakes. Only slightly. (laughs) So chances are, even if you make a mistake and there are some repercussions, you still have a chance to right that wrong. Something I wish someone had shared with me earlier on in my career is this idea of being wrong, that these moments of wrongness, or even just the moments where you can say, hmm, Hmm. that could have been better or different. These are all opportunities for reflection, for betterment. We actually had a comment from a listener about that this week. We asked listeners to tell us what advice they would give to a new teacher. And Mika in Argentina said, quote, you don't have to know all the answers, but you can find them out. Good advice, Mika. Gosh, I remember being so focused on getting things just right when I was a new teacher that I would avoid at all costs being wrong in front of my students, cover up for myself if I didn't know something. Mm. So I would tell new teachers now that they don't have to be right all the time. Admitting we're wrong can have a humbling effect and bring a spirit of inquiry to the classroom. Awesome. Yeah. I think that another side of that one is that the unplanned moments are often the most memorable. We've talked about teachable moments before on this podcast, and I stand by this idea that sometimes a really great thing happens naturally, and that's worth celebrating. Right. In my experience, some of the best learning happens serendipitously. 
you can't plan for serendipity. Nope. And that serendipity is something we've mentioned before and we'll mention again. Sometimes you can have everything perfectly laid out. On paper, it might seem inevitable that your students will reach the objectives you have in mind. And then they don't. Uh, Yeah, your perfect lesson plan will morph into something completely different. Mm -hmm. Or maybe your lesson plan just didn't have the wanted effect. We need to remember that learning will happen when students are ready. It's not always about your plan. Sometimes you have to wait for those aha moments, right? Right. And I think that as teachers, it's normal for us to shoulder the blame and rack our brains to figure out what we could have done differently. We start to overcompensate to try to get our students there, wherever there is. And then we wind up just doing too much. Yeah. That's something that I would tell a new teacher too. You don't have to do everything for your students. Mm -mm. What can they do for you? They can come up with examples. They can work with their peers to negotiate meaning, et cetera. As teachers, we shouldn't be the only ones being held accountable. Learning should be an active process for all parties. But something that you can do for your students, though, is teach to the middle. Ah, yes. A mixed level class. Have you ever had a homogenous group of learners in terms of proficiency? Uh, uh, the dream. Mm. Uh, absolutely not. Never. No. Uh, if, <laughs> if only student skills actually fit into the neat little boxes, we attempt to stuff them into. Mm. So teaching to the middle means noting that while you have learners who are higher and lower in terms of skill, ability, or proficiency, you want to target the middle of the road students that gives you the greatest chance of meeting most of them where they are. Yeah, teaching to the middle is definitely a helpful tool when you're struggling with multi-level classes. It can be stressful to have students all with different needs. I wish someone had told me to teach to the middle so I didn't spend years planning multiple levels and layers of activities and scaffolding, sometimes unnecessarily. Teaching to the middle also means that you're putting yourself in an ideal place when the need for scaffolding presents itself. It's easier to add or remove when you're already working with a baseline. Right. And continuing with this idea of multi-level classes, one big piece of advice for new teachers, or maybe just a reminder for us oldies, (laughs) is that just because one student, probably a higher level student, seems to get the concept you've taught. It doesn't mean that everybody gets it. It doesn't mean everybody gets it, right? So (laughs) please, let's make sure our comprehension checks aren't just fishing for a yes teacher, it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. I would add too that sometimes your lessons are just going to miss, go right on over their heads. What you think is a stellar activity will just flop and you need to learn to be okay with that. Flat activity falls right on its face. Blood everywhere. (laughs) Just kidding. Gross, Shay. Sorry, dude. Just trying to have fun. Oh, and speaking of fun, I always try to make my students laugh a little, enjoy themselves, have some fun while learning. But one thing I've learned is that you can't really force fun. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I get so excited about the fun thing I've prepared for students, and then they don't seem at all enthusiastic Mm. about it. It turns out that a teacher's idea of fun is very different from students. Very different. And speaking of failed attempts, this makes me think of how I try and fail to keep up with what the kids are saying. (laughs) Especially when you're teaching younger students, 
They seem to have a language of their own, don't they? Oh, that youngster speak. (laughs) I try so hard to sound hip. Well, that's your first mistake. (laughs) Sound hip? Who says that anymore? How old are you? Hey, honestly, it's hard to keep track of what all the slang means anymore. But I find that they'll either laugh at you for using slang incorrectly or congratulate you if you get it right. But Either way, I think they appreciate what you're trying. Maybe we should put out a survey. Hey, students, how do you feel when your professors try to show off their pop culture knowledge? (laughs) Please don't. I imagine it would be terribly discouraging. Well, regardless, there's something that I love about your attempt to keep up with them. I think it shows them a bit of who you are a goof. Hmm. Your students want to know who you are. And while you might show up to class, a slightly more buttoned up version of yourself They get a lot from those moments when they can glean a bit about who you are. Yes, that's actually what our listener Jessica in France gave as her advice to new teachers. Just be yourself. And I totally agree. Students respect real people, authenticity. I think bringing that into the classroom allows you to connect with your students on a more human level, which for me personally has meant being able to more comfortably unpack those moments where they might normally feel discomfort or tension. And let's face it, sometimes you need to level with your students and talk about what's not working or what's working. Mm-hmm. Be transparent with your learners throughout the process. Sometimes puzzling through things with your students can result in more buy-in. And a lot Mm. of times they can see something or they're feeling something that you can't imagine because you're not in their shoes. I have an example of this from a recent semester, actually. In one of my classes, I had both domestic and international students. We were examining various themes under the umbrella topic of global citizenship over the course of a 15-week semester. And a few weeks in, maybe halfway through the semester, it got to a point where students' conversations in class were just not as robust as they had been in previous weeks. I spent days troubleshooting, Anna. Was it the topic change? Was there enough material to warrant those in-depth discussions? Were they bored? Was the international domestic student ratio appropriate? So did you find out what it was? Well, I brought my quandary to the students and found out that they felt that they had already exhausted their conversation points on the discussion forum the night before. So where I had imagined that I was creating this really supportive environment to facilitate discussion, the students were feeling frustrated that they had shared these thorough reactions in written form, and then we only had time for a watered-down version of the discussion in class. That's super interesting. Mm. I love how you just straight up asked your students for feedback. They help (laughs) you troubleshoot your concern. I'd also advocate for that approach in one-on-one situations. This summer, for example, in my adult ESL class, I had a student who was completely losing focus and I kept trying to find ways to engage him online. Fortunately, I always put aside time for one-on-one advising with these students. So I simply asked him one day why he wasn't feeling so engaged. It turned out the virtual setup was really hard for him to maintain focus, and he also lived in a house with a lot of roommates. Mm. He didn't have a solution for me, per se, but it really helped me approach his classroom participation differently. Nice. You made time to connect with the learner and made him feel seen. I bet that might have even sparked a bit more engagement on his end. So attempting to work through challenges with students is just one way of showing them how much you value them. Sometimes they have the solutions and sometimes they don't, 
But either way, talking through the issues we're seeing and the issues they're seeing can be so fruitful, even enlightening. And I mean, not just talking with students, but also with your colleagues, Mm, Your, your peers are such a great resource. You can really learn from them. Right. It's easy to fall into a me versus them mindset when we're battling every day to stay afloat, but it's not a competition. No, it's not. It's totally normal to ask for help from colleagues to need a support system. And getting feedback is a positive thing, even if it doesn't feel like it in the moment. Actually, you're probably going to feel pretty horrible most of your first (laughs) year teaching. (laughs) The first term is the worst. Yikes. But remember, it's okay to have a tough day or week or month. You'll come out the other side stronger and with lessons tucked away in your back pocket. Mm, It's not always going to feel good, no, but it gets better. I can't help but think that teaching is a craft, an art form, and one that not only gets better with time, like a fine wine, Mm. but one that also makes a huge impact in people's lives. At least that's what I try to remind myself when I'm feeling down. Yes. And I think it's important to note that people's whys, their reasons for teaching are going to vary a lot, right? Like Mm -hmm. maybe you're doing it for the potential to inspire and impact lives. But I've also met teachers who've gravitated to the profession because it was a promise of stable employment. And that's okay too. Totally. For some people, teaching is their whole existence. For others, it's a job. But no matter our motivations, there's one thing every new teacher will experience this year. What's that? You're going to learn a whole heck of a lot this year. (laughs) (laughs) As our listener Jessica wrote, enjoy every class because it is in the classroom where you will learn the most. That's a great takeaway. And through all of that learning, my friends, make sure that you take the time to unplug and nurture yourself. You're doing tough work and you need to take care of you before you can take care of your students. So true. So teachers, we want to hear from you. New teachers, how's the beginning of your first term going? And for our more veteran teachers, what advice would you give to someone just starting out? What are some of the lessons learned that you wish someone could have just told you up front? You can join the conversation on our various social media accounts. Email us via our contact form at teacherthinkaloud.com or comment via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We welcome your reflections, questions, and ideas. For more resources related to today's topic, take a look at our website and our podcast anchor page, anchor.fm slash teacherthinkaloud. Thanks so much for joining us on the Teacher Think Aloud podcast. And until next time, happy teaching and happy reflecting.